Amen, Lord. That's beautiful worship and real words, Lord, written unto you for us to worship you, Lord. I think of the first song, Lord, and I thank you. We thank you for your reckless love. You wrecked yourself in order to save us. Yes, Lord. And what a great and mighty and awesome God that you are to love us with such passion. Wrecking yourself to save man. Can see your awesome, unconditional love and all of that. So, Lord, you are the God of creation, and today we worship you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Even the Psalms tell us the mountains worship you. That song says that a hundred million galaxies worship you. And if they do, so will I. Jesus said, if these do not call out and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the very rocks would cry it out. Oh, Lord, creation sings your praises, and so will we. Because you are God, there is no other. Father, many of us believers here today forget that our next breath comes from you. Yes. We think it comes from us, it comes from you. The very next breath that we breathe, and we thank you, Lord, for the breaths that you have given us thus far, and will give us till the, the day you come back or the day we co co go to see you. We can see your heart, Lord, in everything that you do, said the psalmist. And Lord, we can see your heart because you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son. And whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. We exist to bring praise and worship to you and to tell a lost world of the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Some people laugh at us. Some people think we're fanatics. Some people think we're nuts. But we know that we serve the only true and living God. And we will speak all the days of our life about your greatness of who you are. We can see your heart, Lord, every time we read your word. Yes, Lord. Some believers don't even da dabble into their Bibles anymore. They just depend on the preacher to feed them. I pray that they grow up just like the baby has to grow up from the, from the spoon in the baby jar to steak as they get older, Lord. Lord, may we Christians begin to grow in grace and in knowledge of you. Jesus taught us a model prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, thank you, Father. As you're in heaven, you love to see your creation worship you. Holy is your name, O God. There is none other other than you that is holy. We all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God, of you, God. And we thank you that you gave us a way out of our sin by nailing it to the cross with Jesus. Although there was no sin in him, our sin came upon him. All that was past, present, and future for every man or woman that ever lived or walked on the face of the earth. How great thou art, O God. Yes, Lord. I think of that that old hymn, How Great You Are. Lord, you sure are great. Thank you. Father, we are your hands and your feet down here on earth, and we pray that your kingdom come, and you would use each and every one of us to believe in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you would use us every day.
Father God, and you've been faithful to us. You gave us food, clothing, and shelter, and we thank you for it, Lord. You forgave our wretched, disgusting sin, and you cleansed us and washed our sins away, never to remember it anymore, and we thank you and praise you, Lord. And Father, we even forgive our enemies because you first forgave us. We even love our enemies because you first loved us. And we thank you, Lord. Father God, don't let ourselves be led away into temptation, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful prides of life. Deliver us from that evil, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Father God, we come against the devil in Jesus' name because he's given us the authority to do so. Father God, we thank you and praise you. Lord, yours is the kingdom, and we Christians are going to work as hard as we can to get your kingdom to come to this earth so that Jesus might come and break through and open up the skies. And that trumpet sound that we just heard in the beginning of the service here tonight, that the shofar is blown, the next trumpet is ready to sound, church. The next trumpet, and it's going to be the rapture of the church, and we're going to be out of here. I can't come too soon as far as I'm concerned, Lord God. But we have work to do. And I pray that every Christian buckles up their bootstraps, buckles up their belt, and gets about the work of your, your, your son, Jesus Christ, that he told us to do, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you said, lo, we aren't going alone. We're going with you. You will be with us even to the end of the age. Oh, great. And mighty God, you certainly are a God of love and compassion, mercy and grace, and 10,000 other things. Lord, we thank you for being here tonight. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit and let us apply, as I said earlier in a prayer, let us apply what we learn tonight from your scriptures into our lives that we too might become better believers serving you with a whole heart, madly in love with you, that even the world sees our, the, the, the joy in our hearts because we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. In Jesus' holy name, Father, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless the church. Hey, the Holy Spirit takes over. you got to do it, you know. <coughs> we are in Genesis chapter... Um, 40 tonight as i said we're on joseph we went completely through the bible for 40 chapters already some chapters we spent a couple weeks in you know and uh other chapters one chapter we actually went through very quickly and did two chapters in one night you know we learned about in genesis we learned about creation the fall of man the flood the dispersion of the churches and the language being mixed up we saw the called and the covenants. We saw mercy and judgment so far in the Scripture. And we see, we're seeing fulfillment of God's promise as we go into the next several chapters. Joseph is in prison. But I want to remind you first, if your Bibles are open, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, this is chapter 40 we're studying, and we're going to read some of those verses. But I want you to go to the last verse of the 39th chapter, 23 verse chapter 39 verse 23 just above your 40 in your bible and i want to read that verse the chief jailer 
did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Listen, Joseph, everywhere he goes, he's put in charge. God is teaching him accountability. He's teaching him administration skills because he's going to be the second in command in all of Egypt, and he's going to save by, by the wisdom he got from God and the, and the teaching he got from God. He's going to save the entire Hebrew, Egyptian nation and the Hebrew nation from the famine that's going to come in the land just a few years down the road. It's going to last for seven years. God is teaching him administrative skills. And it says everybody was noticing that, that because of him, whatever he did, God made it to prosper. Don't forget, Joseph's God was not the God of Egypt. The God of Egypt was, there's thousands or hundreds of gods of Egypt. And every plague that you see God put upon the Egyptians was a, was a direct, what can I say, a direct shot at different gods of Egypt. We're going to see that in the chapters to come. You know, the Lord made whatever he did to prosper. Potiphar noticed it. The jailer noticed it. The baker and the butler is going to notice it. And down the road, Pharaoh himself is going to notice it. Here's what Proverbs 18.16 says. A man's gift brings him before great men. His gift is administration. His gift is faithfulness. And Joseph is loaded with all kinds of different gifts. He's able to teach. He's able to interpret dreams as God shows him which we're going to see how he gives glory to God. God is moving everywhere in Joseph's life, but you don't think he is because, you know what, he sold into, he sold into Egypt, you know, by his, by his brothers. Don't look like God's with him. He's in Egypt in a foreign land with foreign gods, but yet he, he did not vary from the God of Israel, Yahweh. He's... He's, he's an innocent man thrown in jail because he would not sleep with Potiphar's wife. He ran away, which is a good thing for us people. When you get sin comes against you, the best thing you can do is run away. Joseph happened to leave his cloak there. And, of course, the revenge of Potiphar's wife made her say, well, listen, she thought she was, she was so beautiful, I guess, that her pride got in her. This guy won't sleep with me. So she turned, she turned it all around like he tried to, to force himself on her. And for doing what was right, he ended up in prison. But as he was in prison for years, by the way, you know, he, he, the, the jailer noticed his administration skills, and boy, he just put him in charge, and he didn't, he didn't have to worry anymore. He could be the boss, but he could go on vacation if he wanted. He could, he could go stay home all day if he wanted to because Joseph was in charge of the prison because the Lord was with him, and they noticed that everywhere he went. And down the road, we're going to see even Pharaoh's going to notice it. So Joseph is in prison, and there obviously was a plot to kill Pharaoh. And obviously it was about the, you know, the baker or the butler, and the Pharaoh couldn't figure out which one. But when, as time goes on, we're going to see it. 
But let's read the first four verses of Genesis chapter 40. Okay, New American Standard I'm reading from, and I may even bring some, some new King James into it. Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, that's Pharaoh, offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with these two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the guard in jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them. And they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream and each man with its own interpretation. So here we see it. Here's a divine plan unfolding here. I'm sure Joseph didn't know it. He was just going with the flow. He was staying in love with Yahweh, his God, even when he was in a foreign land and everybody else didn't even know Yahweh. Just Joseph. That means you, Christian, you can survive in a company where you work, whether there be 300 non-Christian employees, you can still survive. You can still serve and preach the Lord Jesus Christ to them. The chief suspects of some kind of plot is the butler and the baker. We're not told, really, what, why Pharaoh was angry with the baker and the butler. It must have been serious because one of them is going to lose their head. They're going to hang. Okay, so to me, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but to me, it might have been a plot to kill him with poison. Either the butler or baker could do that very easily. I'm not, that's not written in the scriptures. We're assuming that because it cost these guys, one of these guys, their life. They offended Pharaoh. The cupbearer, of course, you know, he, he provided cup. He was standing by Pharaoh. Pharaoh wanted a drink of wine or a drink of water. He went and got it. He made sure that Pharaoh had what, what, what he needed. And the baker was the same way. If the, if the Pharaoh wanted a chocolate angel food cake, then he would go make a chocolate angel food cake. If he wanted a sweet pastry of some kind, he would go make it. And if you, if you look at this closely, you can see the, communi- the communion elements here, can't you? The wine and the bread. I don't know what. That has to have some, I couldn't find it, or I couldn't think of it, or the Holy Spirit didn't show it to me. But there's something in that verse right there. If he provided the wine and the bread. And I think it points, says Joseph is a picture or a typology of Christ, which I went through several times, and we may touch a few of them. We will touch a few of them in the end of this chapter, four more to be exact. But there's actually like 23 types uh, uh, how Joseph is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word offended, they offended Pharaoh, it means to, to, 
to misharm to to harm him, and we don't know how. Like I said, I assume they one of them must have tried to poison him, and somehow Pharaoh found that and couldn't figure out which one it was. So, verse two and two through four, we see that Joseph is in prison, and he is put. You know, he was put in charge of the whole prison by the captain of the guard. That's in 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 American. Uh, army that would be the MPs, the military police. Okay, he's he's been put there by the sergeant in charge of the military police, and Joseph was to take care of the butler and the baker until I may maybe take care of them until the Pharaoh found out what really happened and which one tried to maybe kill him. Verses five through eight. Let's read through that. Five through eight. I already read five, by the way. I went a little too far. But I'll read it again. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he observed that he observed them. Behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were or who were with him in confinement in the master's house why are you your faces so sad then he said to them we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it then joseph said to them do not the interpretations belong to god tell it to me please First of all, did you notice right there? Joseph is, gives the glory to God right off the bat. He says, you know, God is the interpreter of the dreams. In other words, right now, he's given his God, Yahweh, uh, uh, to the baker and the butler that, that Yahweh is the interpreter of dreams. And then he says, tell it to me, please. Each prisoner had a strange dream. They know that it must have affected them uh, horribly because they were sad, and Joseph noticed their continents had changed overnight. But Joseph made sure he gave glory to God. Joseph declares that all interpretations are from God, and God gives sight to the hidden things which he does to this day. Daniel 2.22 says this, For God reveals the secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. The light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and light and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you, God, have made known to us the king's demand. That's Daniel praying that God gave Daniel the interpretation of the king's dream. And, you know, Daniel was under King Nebuchadnezzar. He wasn't such a great guy, as you well know. But Daniel makes sure, as does Joseph, to give the glory to God. God is the interpreter of dreams. I tell everybody here, you know, I've, I've had many dreams in my Christian uh, walk. Forty over forty-four years, I have several dreams. Most of them were in the years, early years, and God was telling me either you can't run from me, 
uh, it's time to surrender, or something like that. But in these later years, I haven't had many dreams. Um, but listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've heard dreams come from Christians that, that, that they say it was from God, and I listen to that and say, that ain't from God. Because it doesn't line up with this. And if it doesn't line up with this, it is not the Word of God. You probably have a devil appearing as an angel, coming as an angel of light. You've got to be careful with these dreams. If they don't line up with the Word of God, it's not from God. It's not from God. Be careful. Sometimes Christians get into big trouble. Some of the, some of the, the, uh, the what can I say, the people that call themselves Christians aren't really Christians because they, they, they developed another book instead of the Bible. The Bible says there is no other book. There is no other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's all there is to it. There is no other gospel. So if somebody comes to you and says, I wrote another gospel, it ain't from Jesus. So I've got to be very careful with that. Um, Joseph is, you, you know, he's, what can I say? He's, he's conquering his, he's, his faith is being conquered. His faith is being tested. And as I always say, faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. And God is testing Joseph's strength, because, or faith, because he's going to be the leader of Egypt, second in command, in just a few years. He's only going to be around the age of 30 or 33 or something like that by the time he is in charge of Egypt. And many, many thousands and thousands of nations were saved by his, uh, by his wisdom that was given to him by God that he had to work through for at least 12 years since his brothers sold him into Egypt. Remember, Joseph had dreams, and he, he interpreted the dreams. The dreams were very clear to him, and even clear to his brothers and his mother and fathers. You remember he had the dream about the sheaves, that, that there, was, there was 11 sheaves in the field, and his sheave rode up, and the other sheaves bowed down to him. His brothers figured out right away what that is. He said, you're going to be boss over us. You're going to be leader over us. They laughed him all the way to, to, um, to the tent on the going home. And then he had another dream, and it says that, that the sun and the moon and the stars will bow down to him. And, and boy, his brothers and dad figured that out right away. That means the father and your mother and, and your 11 brothers are going to bow down to you? And we know that Jacob, it says Jacob obviously um, you know, was, was wondering about it. He kept it in his heart. But he's in jail yet. And God's still using it. And I know, I don't know if there's any prisoners out there, or maybe some of you were prisoners at one time. God can even use you in jail. Paul was in jail, and boy, did God use him. Practically converted the, 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 uh, a lot of the, the uh, soldiers. Not only that, even people, in, even people in Caesar's house got saved. We see them in the epistles. Because Joe, J, uh, Paul didn't shut up, and neither did Joseph. He's teaching Yahweh all along the way. 
Joseph has a conquering faith here. He has conquering faith. He's remembering God's promises. He, he's holding on to this promise that the sun, the moon, and the stars, which is his father, his mother, and his brothers, he's holding on to that. Someday they're going to bow down to me. He knows it's from God. He's holding on to it. Conquering faith remembers God's promises. If God promised you something and you know that it's God and it lines up with the Word of God, you keep holding on to it. It might be 20 years before it comes to pass, but it will come to pass if you know it was God and not something else. Got to be careful. Joseph had conquering faith. He knew these dreams were going to come to be. I'll bet you while he was in Potiphar's house and got thrown into prison, you know, I'll bet he was thinking of these things. Hey, God, you, you gave me a dream that the sun, the moon, and the stars are going to bow down to me. I believe it. I'm going to hold on to that, however how long it takes. Don't look like it. He's in prison. Conquering faith always remembers your prior victories. Joseph had that conquering faith. He remembered the victories he had as he watched the sheep and as, as he worked with his brothers. Conquering faith always rejects discouraging situations. His brothers discouraged him. He, they, were thro they threw him in a pit. They wanted to let him die in there. They were hoping that the pit would fill up with water and he would die. But he rejected their discouraging words. Even though he was crying like, the, like a baby as his brother sold him into Egypt to the Ishmaelites. Conquering faith always, always contemplates victory before the battle's won. Joseph was already contemplating that dream that you gave me, Lord. The moon, the sun, the moon, and the stars are going to bow down to me. I'm hanging on to that. I know it was you, Lord. You know, conquering faith rejects the discouraging words of his brothers and his father because they thought he was cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Conquering faith always contemplates the victory before the battle's won. You know you're going to win. You just know it. Conquering faith keeps a positive confession. And here is Joseph in prison, sent there. Even though he was innocent, he's in prison. But he, he is not, he's keeping a positive attitude. And Christian, I don't know where you're at in your life, but keep a positive attitude. You have the breath of life. Use it for God's glory. Quit looking back at the things that are already packed. Paul says, I press on. I don't look back. I press on to the, to the higher things of God. you got to do that, church. Verses 9 through 15. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me, and on the vine there were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will become Pharaoh's 
cup, you will, you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hands according to your former custom when you were a cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you. Joseph already knows that the dream's from God. He knows that the, the cupbearer is going to go back into his former position, and it's going to take three days. That's why I named this Joseph, a prophet of God. A true prophet gives a prophecy, and it will come to pass. You know what? I mentioned dreams earlier. We talked that God speaks through dreams. And let, me, let me show you some verses in the Bible. We're not going to turn there because I don't think we have time. But Genesis chapter 20, verse 3. Genesis chapter 28, verse 12. Genesis 31, 11. Genesis 31, 24. Numbers 12, 6. You know, all say that a true prophet, will, they, their, their interpretation will come true. And we know that this is going to come true. The butler shares his dream, and, and God's communicating with this butler. The vine is producing three branches. These grapes that are, are after the blossoms are ripe grapes. They're good grapes. They're not, they're not bad grapes. They're not sour grapes. And, and because of that, he's going to be restored. Verse 12 through 13, Joseph gives the interpretation. And you, you actually, as I read it, I could see it, but I, don't, I hope that God would give me interpretations of dreams. But I could see it now that you, you know, it's right before you. And Joseph says, the three branches are three days, and Pharaoh will restore you. Why? Because they're ripe grapes. They're good grapes. Okay, they're not bad grapes. God is going to restore the butler, the wine bearer. Here's a specific prophecy uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22. When a prophet speaks in God's name, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. If the, the prophet has spoken presumptuously, you should not be afraid of him. So God is saying through Deuteronomy, a prophet, when he speaks, it will come to pass. If you look at your Bible, that's why Isaiah's prophecy is in here. Ezekiel's prophecy is in here. Micah's prophecy is in here. These have come to pass. And they were putting in the, the uh, canon of Scripture by King James in the 1600s. Okay? You know, it came true. These prophets, every word they said came true. And they are true prophets. The prophecy must be proved, and it is going to be proved. The baker, the butler is going to be restored to his position, and in three days it will happen. Verses 14 and 15, I'll just read, I read the 14th, but I'm going to read it again. Only keep me in mind when it goes well for you. And please do not do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact 
kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that I should have been put into prison. Joseph is saying, okay, look, and Joseph already believes the dream. He knows that God gave him the interpretation. He already knows. He believes the dream. He's saying, okay, a cupbearer, when you sit, stand before Pharaoh again, remember to mention my name. But, you know, as we know, as time goes on, you're going to see the cupbearer forgets all about Joseph until an appropriate time. And then he mentions the Pharaoh. But it's at least two years before the cupbearer even asks him or even says anything about Joseph because God gives Pharaoh a dream. It demonstrates Joseph's faith in the interpretation. He's a true prophet. Joseph is a prophet of God, of Yahweh. Okay? Joseph asked the butler to remember him. But Joseph knows the conclusion, and it will come to pass. It's okay for Joseph to seek freedom. Who wants to be in prison? Especially if you're in prison wrongfully. He wants to be out of jail. You can't blame him. Every, everybody in jail wants to be out of jail, I'm sure. 1 Corinthians 7.21 says this, You were called while a slave. Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is in the Lord's freedom. What if you are a slave in Ethiopia or whatever today? You know what? You're still in the Lord's freedom because you've been set free. He who the Son of God sets free is free indeed. You might not be free. You might be in, literally in jail, but in your heart, you're free because God freed you to become a believer in Him. And someday you will be, if not in this life, you will be free in the next life. But you should be free in your heart. And even our, one of our key verses for this church, Freedom Church, is Galatians 5.13, which says, You were called to freedom, brethren. God called you to freedom. No matter what you do for a living or where you're at, whether you're in jail, whether you're, you're in a job that you hate, you've been called to freedom. You can live freedom in your heart. I prayed with a lady today on the phone, and, and she, you know, she thought it was a beautiful prayer, and it came from God. I told her, Get, quit here. Here's what Philippians 4, 8 says. It says, it says, oh, gee, I have a blank spot again. Well, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, let your mind dwell on these things. That was my prayer to her. And it's backed up with Scripture. Get your mind off of these things. And put them on where they should be. They should be, they should be true. They should be honest. They should be right. They should be pure and lovely and of good report. If they're not, get rid of it and think on these things, says the Lord. Think of good things. You've been set free. God called you to freedom, brethren, Galatians 5.13. You're free. You have the Son, Jesus Christ, in your heart. And who the Son of God sets free is free indeed. You know what? 
Joseph didn't know those verses, but in his heart, even though he's in jail, he's free. Even though he's in a foreign land and rejected by his brothers, he's free. You know what? He's free in Yahweh, his God. Let's read 16 through 19. Here's the other dream. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorably, he said to Joseph, I also in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And on the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh. And the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said to him, This is the interpretation. The three dead baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you, and you will hang on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off of you. Whoa, I bet he's sorry he asked Joseph that one. He's sorry, I'm sure. The baker shares his dream. Okay, it's favorable. Well, he shares his dream. It was favorable for the butler's dreams. He figures, I'm going to get a favorable one then. Um, The baskets of bread and sweet treats are on his head. Joseph gives the interpretation. Three baskets, again, are three days. Okay, in three days, Pharaoh's going to hang the baker. Obviously, if there was a plot to kill Pharaoh... He must have got information that it was from the baker. The birds eat it, the the bread, right off of the baker's head. This is a bold message to say to someone. Joseph knows the interpretation is from God, so he gives it, even if it isn't favorably. See, that's what a prophet does. He tells what God's message is, and whatever the people do, you know, they, they could kill him for what they say. Isaiah was sawn in half because he, 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 he told the truth, whether it was good, bad, or ugly. Elisha and Elijah were the same way. They told things. Even, even, uh, even uh, the king of Israel said, who would you meet on the way that told you this prophecy? He says, And he told him how he was dressed. He says, it's Elijah the Tishbite. He hated him because he told the truth. Isaiah was sawn in half while he was alive by King Manasseh of, of Judah because he told the truth and the king didn't like it. King Jehoshaphat, when the prophet spoke, he listened. So did King Hezekiah. This is a bold message, but he speaks it anyhow. You know what, preachers out there? You have a bold message to tell the world. And you better not be coward enough not to tell the world that they're lost in their sins and they need a salvation and Jesus Christ is the Savior and they need to ask Christ into their heart. They need to forsake and repent of their sin and turn around and go the other direction. If you're giving frilly messages over the pulpit that tickle people's ears, you are not doing what God told you to do. He called you into a powerful position to to. Get the people to repent and return to God or find God and you're being silent. Joseph wasn't silent. This was a tough message and he delivered it. Paul 
gave a tough message, and he got, he suffered for it. He was stoned outside of Lystra and brought up dead. But somehow he raised from the dead. Obviously, God raised him up, brought him back into Lystra. Listen, Paul preached the message with or without. All the 12 disciples, after they saw Jesus resurrected from the dead, and after they were received with a, the power of the Holy Spirit on them at Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit fell on them, that, that John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I'll tell you what, after that happened to the 12 disciples or in the 120 in the upper room on Pentecost Sunday, they were fired up. And every one of them, all the disciples, went to their death martyred because they had the power, they had the strength to deliver a message whether the world wanted to hear it or not. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't want to hear that, but, but uh, Peter made sure that it was said anyhow because he was filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit with fire. You better be on fire, Christian. If I was put up here to tell you preachers that out there, then, and if that was the only reason, that was good enough. I hope there's 150 preachers here listening to this. And I, you know what? Every one of you, in a way, are a preacher because every one of us are not a Billy Graham, an evangelist, but we are to evangelize. That is the great commission that Jesus gave the church. And we need to follow up on it and tell everybody that we can. That's one reason why we err. I don't know who's going to turn in. It could be somebody in Japan or China. You know what, God depended on God to make a divine appointment that they might hear this message. Joseph was bold. He knew what God said, and he was going to deliver it. You know what God says, and God says, go make disciples. You are to do it. Whether you're at home with your children or whether you're in a mission field somewhere or whether you're just at your, your job, you are to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're a preacher, you are accountable to preach the true message of God with fire filled with the Holy Spirit and don't mince words don't tickle their ears you might lose a few people in your congregation you might even lose a few dollars it's too bad God will send them whenever, whoever he wants to come into your ministry they may come for a little bit and leave here's you know what Acts 20.27 says this I, Paul is talking, he says, I have not ceased to preach the whole counsel of God, not the part that you just like. That's easy to listen to. No, you have to tell the true gospel that, you know what? You're a sinner. I don't care if you're a liar, a pervert, a homosexual, or whatever sin is in your life. There's thousands of them. You need to tell the truth, and you need to repent of your sins. Just like Baker, your sins will find you out. Obviously, this Baker sinned and probably had some kind of plot against Pharaoh. Or who knows, maybe he's trying to sleep with Pharaoh's wife. I don't know. But I know one thing. Joseph 
was prepared to tell the whole council of what God told him about these two dreams, and he did it. I'm sure the baker didn't want to hear it. I'm sure the world don't want to hear it. There's only salvation in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. And that's written in several verses. I can wrap them off of my head for you over and over again. That the only way is salvation to the kingdom of heaven is through Jesus Christ and him alone. There's no other name under heaven. There's only one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said to himself, unless you believe, unless you believe that I am, which is the name of God, Yahweh, he says, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. Jesus also said, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Repent, church. Repent, people. And God will forgive and forget your sins. And then you have a responsibility to forsake your sins. The application for today is the mark of a good shepherd will preach the whole counsel of God. And if you're a preacher, you better be preaching the whole counsel of God. I'm telling you right now, because you will pay for it. Not many of you strive to be teachers because you will be judged for it. You'll be judged for how you teach. A good shepherd is faithful to bring the whole counsel, not just love, but justice and mercy and grace and repentance and forsaking and about faces. He's faithful to deliver a heavy message like Jonathan Edwards up in Boston in the 1700s. He preached sinners in the hands of an angry God and with about the time it was all over in a year or two, over 50% of Boston repented. Now they've backslidden a long way since 200 years have gone by. He, did, he didn't preach a happy message. He preached a message about a spider on a, on a cord, a web cord, dangling over a fire. And that's what he was saying. You better repent because it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He's faithful to deliver, he's faithful to deliver a happy message too. He loves that. You got to watch some of the some of the preachers on the radio and TV that they better be preaching a message with conviction, with confession, with you know, with repentance, not tickling ears. You know why Jeremiah says this in 23 29. It is not my word of fire and a hammer that smashes rocks. The Word of God is, is like a hammer. You know what? You have a hard heart. If you're not saved, you have a hard heart. Well, God's saying through Jeremiah, is not my word like a hammer? And he takes that hammer and take, hits that rock and he goes, smash! And all the baloney falls off. And all of a sudden, you have a heart that can believe. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We need that. We need people with soft hearts. This is what the Lord requires of you, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before the Lord. Isaiah 4, or Genesis 40, verse 20. 22, I believe it's the end of the chapter here. Yeah, 20. 
Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he had a great feast, and all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer, and the head of the chief baker among the servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to him. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Pharaoh's birthday. Pharaoh's having a celebration. He restores the butler to the former state. The word, the, the interpretation that Joseph gave to the cupbearer was accurate. After three days, he was restored to his position. He's a true prophet. Joseph is a prophet of Yahweh. The baker was condemned and he was executed. Just like, like Joseph uh, you know, pronounced the interpretation from Yahweh. Joseph's word was fulfilled, making him a true prophet of God. Remember Deuteronomy 18.22, which I, I quoted to you. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen to come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You know, Israel had a lot of those prophets that say things that they speak presumptuously. God didn't God didn't didn't tell them to do it. They dreamed these things up on their pillow, says the scriptures, and then they told it to the people, they dreamed them up. They dreamed them up. Do you get it? They dreamed it up, not God. They spoke presumptuously. But Joseph is wronged again. He asked the cupbearer to please tell Pharaoh about me but again he's been wrong because the butler just forgot all about it didn't say anything to Pharaoh and Joseph is left in jail a man of faith in a dungeon in a foreign land the only, as far as I know the only Hebrew in that land he went from a cistern to Potiphar's house from Potiphar's house to jail and from jail He's forgotten for another two years or so. You know, but he kept his faith all the way through it. Don't lose faith, whatever happens to you in your life. Remember, remember what I told you, that uh, faith, faith, conquering faith, remembers God's promises, conquers faith, always remembers prior victories like David when he had his trials, he remembered his prior victory. He remembered when he slung that stone at Goliath and grabbed Goliath's sword and cut off his head. And, and he knew how to get ahead in Israel. You can know how to get ahead by, by believing and conquer with your conquering faith. Conquering faith always rejects discouraging situations. Conquering faith always contemplates victory before the battle's even won. Like David, he said to Goliath, I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. He says, today I'm going to hand you over to the birds of the air, and they're going to eat your flesh. You come, in, you come with, into me with, with, with evil words and a sword. I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, who, who was and is and is to come. You know what? Whatever's facing you in your life, if you have a disease, if you have maybe that 
wretched indignation that's running through the world right now, you can come against it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you're a believer in Yahweh. And Yahweh is king. Not Satan or no disease is king. You are a saint of the Most High God. You are kings and priests, says Revelation. But the butler forgets Joseph. He's been forgotten because the butler forgot him. But he's still trusting in God. He didn't lose faith. Joseph knows God will deliver him. And you better know that God will deliver you too. Keep the faith. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 100 verse 103 verses 1 through 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Listen, church. Do not forget all of his benefits. Number one, he forgives all your sins. Number two, he heals all your diseases. Number three, he delivers your life from the pit. You believe one in three, but how about number two? He heals all your diseases, and by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. Those are God's words. They're not my words. They're God's word. You're either going to believe it or not. I suggest believe it because God will bless you. Just to touch up, in this chapter, we see four more things that typify Christ in Joseph. Number one, he's faithful to bring the whole counsel of God, just like Jesus. He brought the whole counsel of God. He told the scribes and the Pharisees, you, you're like your father the devil. He didn't mince words, Jesus. He was bold. God is love, but God is just. Anyway, there's four more ways of the 23 ways that Joseph typifies Christ. He's numbered with the criminals. He's put in a prison with criminals. This is Joseph. Jesus was crucified besides criminals. The 18th one, he was... He saw one saved and one was lost. And Jesus saw one of those criminals saved and he saw one of those criminals lost. The one criminal, probably the one on the right, he probably, and that doesn't scripture, I'm just saying, probably the one on the right because the goats are on the left, sheep are on the right. Okay? I would say, you know, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So one was lost because he kept on cursing God. The other one turned from his wicked ways right on his deathbed. And he's, Jesus told him, today you'll be in the kingdom of heaven with me. He saw one saved, he one saw one lost. The same with Joseph, with the baker and the buff, butler. And he saw, he saw the saved man restored to his, his, his state. Ephesians 2.16 says that he might reconcile them both to God in one, in, in one body through the cross, thereby putting death, putting death, to death, the enmity. And number 20 of the 23, he saw the saved man set free on the third day. And we got 1 Corinthians to back that up. 1 Corinthians 15, 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The three days in the dreams are pointing to the three days that Jesus would be in the tomb for three days and three nights. So Joseph's life is a, is a type or a foreshadowing of the coming Messiah.
So that's what we see in in um, in in Genesis chapter 40. You know what? I don't know about you, but the more I study the Word of God, the more I fall in love with it. But the more I, I could say, the more I think I don't know, by the more you study, because God is so deep. I told you many times, the greatest scholar can never touch bottom, but yet so shallow the baby cannot drown in it. So if you want to be a baby Christian, you can be saved and wallow in the puddles. But if you want to, if you really want to serve God, you got to dig deeper for those gems, those pearls that are written in the Word of God. So let's close in prayer. For anybody out there that don't know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ today, for those preachers out there that may or not teaching the full counsel of God, it's about time you preach the gospel of God, the whole counsel of God. Like I said, you might lose a few people. You might even lose a few dollars. But you know what? It isn't about dollars. It's about souls down here on earth. Do you realize that if one person is lost, it is for eternity. Eternity. And we don't want that to happen. I'm so blessed to be saved, and I know you here, that I know all of you out there, and I know that, that uh, you believe the same thing I believe. You're so blessed because you are saved. You're going to heaven. Bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into our life. For those of you out there that don't know Jesus, for those of you, those preachers out there that want to preach the whole counsel of God, I pray, Lord God, that the power of the Holy Spirit fall upon those preachers and the people who need to return to Jesus or come to Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that they repent of their sin by saying, I, Lord, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that, that he came, he died, he is, was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to send the Holy Spirit into my life to cleanse me. I ask you to use me and make me the man of God, the woman of God that you want me to be. And may my life bring glory to you. And may I be among those, those people that help the kingdom of heaven to come to earth, like Jesus said in the model prayer, thy kingdom come and God's will be done on this earth. When I look at the TV, that's not being done. All the hatred, all the killing, all the bombing. Lord, help us to help this, your kingdom come to this earth by living for you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. We'll be in chapter 41 next week. God bless. <laughs>